Hey, and welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I am sorry for the long delay between episodes. I was hoping to provide some semblance of normalcy in chaotic times by continuing to make regular stories. But then I got sick. Not with the coronavirus, apparently, but still miserable. Then I got even more sick with a sinus infection, and it's been this whole obnoxious thing. On the plus side, my spouse bought me a whole lot of Sprite. I always have Sprite when I'm sick. Um, as you'll probably know by now, I'm disabled and frequently don't feel well, even before I get an actual virus or bacterial sickness or whatever, so an acute illness just absolutely flattens me. I did try to put a few updates on Facebook in case anyone was worried. Uh, I am really glad to have energy and to be able to breathe through my nose again. That's really nice. Uh, so anyway, I have managed to finish writing some stories, uh, and get some stuff together, and now I'm gonna record! So, uh, the story today is going to pick up where we left off with Peter and the other apostles. If you remember, the disciples are called apostles now, since they're more messengers of Jesus than just followers of Jesus. That's the difference between those two words. Uh, In the story last episode, the Holy Spirit of God descended on Peter and other people who had followed Jesus, and then Peter persuaded 3,000 other people to follow them in following Jesus' teachings. That was a mouthful. And what eventually became known as the Christian church got its start, and it was really nice, and everyone got along and took care of each other. So now Peter has the Spirit of God, but aside from everyone else talking in languages they apparently didn't know, so far all we've seen Peter do with his Holy Spirit powers from God is give a rousing speech that made everyone say, wow, a fisher person from Galilee is that good of a public speaker? It's a miracle. I mean, Galilee... Uh, But that's actually super condescending, and I'm just not sure that giving a good speech counts as an actual supernatural event that only the existence of God could explain. I mean, if you said to me, you have a good podcast for someone from Arkansas, God must be real. Well, that'd be ironic, but also I think you were probably being really classist, also rude. So uh, today I will tell you about miracle stories from the book of Acts that actually do sound supernatural. Acts is the book, it's, it's Acts like as in an act. Acts is the book that comes after the Gospels in the New Testament part of the Bible, and it's part of the legend of the beginning of Christianity. I'll also talk about Peter doing a lot more of what's called mission work, and the, the mission here is to get people to become believers in Jesus. And I say it that way because the word Christian didn't exist in the beginning of this story. Jesus actually talked more about morality in the Gospels, that is to say, how to be a good person. But um, in Acts, it's more about believing in Jesus and being part of that new religion. Uh, I'm assuming most people listening, I mean, it's Bible stories for heathen children, probably don't think it's a good thing to try to go make people become Christians. Um, Obviously, I don't. I will talk about that more at the end. So, like, I have really mixed feelings about Peter and the entire book of Acts. Heck, I've got mixed feelings about the entire Bible, but especially this part. Hopefully some of this is interesting, maybe even a little fun, and if not, I guess at least it's educational, because the stories in the podcast today are pretty important to uh, evangelical Christianity in our culture. Okay, so now, sorry, finally, story. So, Peter and John, the very important apostles, were walking to the temple complex to go pray in the afternoon. And I'm guessing it's that everyone can hear me and maybe be persuaded, Lord Jesus, please let everyone here believe in you, kind of prayer. And uh, anyway, there was a man sitting at the gate. 
Now, the man had been disabled since birth and couldn't walk, so every day he had people carry him to the temple gate so that he could beg for money from the people entering the temple complex. Uh, and that's, that's how he made his living. So he saw Peter and John and asked them for help, and they paid attention to him instead of just, you know, pretending they couldn't hear him. So he thought they would give him some money to help him survive. But instead, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth, get up and walk. And he grabbed the man's hand and pulled him up. And the man found that suddenly he had like strong feet and ankles and legs. And he was so excited to be able to use his legs for the first time in his life that he just started jumping around. He was just like walking and jumping. And instead of sitting in the gate, watching everyone else go into the temple, hoping they'd feel charitable on their way to be closer to God, he went into the temple complex himself, running all around the yard and praising God. And everyone recognized him as the man who was always sitting at the gate. And they were like, wow, how did this happen? And then Peter lectured everyone for being amazed because, of course, Jesus, with the power of God, could heal this man. And he gave this really long speech that I'm not going to replicate here. He gives lots of sermons. Anyway, about how the Jewish people had killed Jesus, but God raised Jesus from the dead. And then Peter, by having faith in Jesus, had the power to make this man walk. Side note, it's supposed to be a nice story, but Christians use stories like this as an excuse to touch and pray for and try to heal disabled people without their consent, without them agreeing to that. In this story, maybe it sounds cool and Peter takes the guy's hand and the guy takes Peter's hand and voila, he walks. But when a Christian takes the hand of a disabled person and yanks them out of their wheelchair, because that is the type of thing I've heard from disabled people that some Christians have done, and the Christian expects the person to walk, but uh, they don't walk and now they're injured and have been yanked around without their consent. That's really not cool. A slightly more normal, more common, but also problematic related thing people do is assume that, it is, that a disabled person existing in public must need their help, like walking up to a person in a wheelchair and pushing them without asking or grabbing the arm of a blind person thinking they need help, sometimes injuring or endangering that person, but also violating their autonomy, their personal ability to take care of themselves and decide what happens to their body. And it makes them feel less safe in public, not more safe. If someone asks for help, that's different. But most of the time in real life, disabled people don't need random able-bodied people grabbing onto them and insisting on being their heroes. So yeah, the story bothers me a bit because Peter just grabs him and helps him. Not even because Peter cares about the man, but because Peter wants to send a message to everyone about how connected Peter is with Jesus. And the man in this story is actually totally thrilled with being used this way because this is a story someone wrote about how good Peter is and how good Peter's religion is. Uh, so there's my critical eye, but another part of me really loves the mental image of a man jumping around like a little kid because he's so excited to be able to jump around. I mean, I recently got a medicine that helped me with some health problems I've had for years that made it difficult to stand up. And I was like, look at me, I'm standing, I'm not dizzy, I'm dancing around. Uh, this is great. So, you know, I, I like that part. But anyways, uh, back to Peter. So people, this man's walking around, jumping around, and people are like, wow, Peter healed this man in the name of Jesus? But some people were upset that Peter healed this man in the name of Jesus, though not for the same reason as me. They were, da 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 the religious leaders. You remember those guys? Uh, and they were upset because Peter and John were trying to persuade everyone that Jesus had raised from the dead that Jesus was not dead anymore and had gone up to heaven 
and to persuade everyone to follow Peter's teachings about Jesus. Already it was starting to look like a whole new religion, and there they were in the Jewish temple complex telling everyone to follow Jesus instead. So the religious leaders arrested Jesus. I mean Peter and John. They arrested Peter and John. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes all assembled to question Peter and John. And they said, by what power or in what name did you heal that man? And Peter was filled by the Holy Spirit to make another miraculously good speech and said, if we are being questioned about doing a good deed for a disabled man, like some serious passive aggression from Peter there, then he's like, um, if we're being questioned about helping a disabled man, let it be known that by the name of Jesus, whom you killed and whom God raised from the dead, was this man made healthy. And then Peter told them all to get saved. And they realized that Peter, the, the religious leaders, realized that Peter and John were bold and eloquent, despite being uneducated men from Galilee. And they were so amazed and knew they, these men had been with Jesus. That's what the text says. Personally, again, it's kind of condescending. So then the religious leaders huddled up and said, what should we do? They've done this obvious sign. Everyone saw it, and we can't say it didn't happen. But we don't want people following them, so we'll threaten them against speaking to anyone in you-know-whose name ever again. So they called Peter and John to stand in front of them and said, you better not preach or teach in the name of Jesus at all, or else that kind of stuff. And Peter and John said, whether it's right in the eyes of God for us to listen to you guys or to God himself, you can decide, but we are not able to stop talking about all the things we've seen and heard. So then they just threatened him some more. And then they let Peter and John go because they didn't think they could get away with punishing them with everyone around giving credit to God for a man they all knew had just been healed when Peter talked to him. Then Peter and John went back to their group of people and told them how they'd been arrested and everyone, every one of their people prayed to God and asked that they would be equally brave in teaching about Jesus. And when they finished praying, the building they were in shook and the Holy Spirit filled them again, just like in the last episode. And in addition to all of them being able to suddenly teach bravely and confidently, they also shared everything so that no one in their fellowship needed anything. People sold their property and gave all the money to the apostles. Again, that's what the disciples are called now, because they're the, the messengers for Jesus now. People sold their property and gave all the money to the apostles. One man sold a field he owned and gave all the money to the apostles, though the apostles could give it the money to anyone in their group of followers of Jesus who needed it. But here's where it gets a wee bit rocky. Ananias and Sapphira were a husband and wife. And they sold a piece of property they owned. And they'd seen other people in the group sell property they own and, and give it to the apostles. And they gave most of the money to the apostles, except they kept some for themselves because, you know, they were worried they need it later or something. But the man, Ananias, brought all the money to, or brought, you know, some of the money to Peter and acted like it was all of the money he got for the sale of his property. And Peter said, Ananias, why are you trying to lie to the Holy Spirit? Wasn't that your field that you could do with what you wanted? You aren't lying to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard that, he dropped dead just suddenly. And some of the people came out and just they carried his body out and buried him right away. And then later that, that day, Ananias' wife, Sapphira, came in and she didn't know what had happened and she didn't know where her husband was. And then Peter did what is generally called entrapment. And he asked Sapphira, so is this money here? 
exactly the price of the field you sold? Yes, she said, we sold it for that price. And Peter knew it was a lie because he just knows things the way Jesus knew things. And he said, why have you agreed to test the spirit of God? Look, the men who buried your husband are at the door and they'll bury you too. And then she dropped dead and they carried her outside and buried her. And a great fear came on everyone in the church and on anyone who heard these things, which is, of course, the entire point of having this story in the book of Acts in the first place. They didn't want people to stop being afraid of God just because their new baby religion was supposed to be more forgiving and loving and generous than what they believed about their old religions. Fear is a way you can keep people in line doing what you want them to do, giving money, for example, um, getting other people to join, for another example. Meanwhile, Peter kept healing people and he kept meeting with the other apostles and believers. They would meet at a certain spot in the temple complex. And although most people were afraid to join them because the religious leaders were against them, they still spoke very highly of the apostles. Peter himself was so powerful that people would bring their sick or disabled friends and relatives and line them up along the street where they knew Peter would pass waiting for him to come by on his way to his meetings so that Peter's shadow would fall across the sick people and when his shadow fell across them, they would be healed. This parallels the language used about Jesus that everyone was desperate to just touch the hem of Jesus' robe in hopes of being healed. Now here we have people hoping to come up under his shadow for just a moment. That's how much they believed Peter could heal them. And, you know, in the story, that, that's what happened. They got healed. So uh, then the high priest became really jealous of Peter. You remember that guy, Caiaphas, the one who was worried Jesus would get all the Jewish people in trouble and thought he was acting nobly for the safety of the entire country? Well, in the Jesus sequel here in Acts, he's just portrayed as petty and jealous that Peter gets all this attention. And the book of Acts doesn't actually even use his name, just his title, the high priest. So anyway, the big bad religious leader was so jealous of Peter's power and popularity that he put Peter and the other apostles in jail for being too popular. That would never happen to me. Uh, anyway, in the middle of the night, an angel came to the jail and opened the door and led them out of prison and said, go and stand in the temple complex and tell people about this life which is what they were always all doing anyways. So as soon as the sun came up, they went in and began to talk at whoever would listen about Jesus and their beliefs. Slightly later that morning, the high priest convened the Sanhedrin, you know, got them all together, and he was planning to put Peter and the others on trial. And he sent the temple police to go to the jail and bring back Peter, but they came back alone. They said uh, the jail was locked and the guards were there, but nobody was inside. They were baffled. Then someone else came and said, oh, uh, we found the men you put in jail. They're standing in the temple complex teaching people again. Then the captain of the temple police went and asked them very nicely to please come with them and stand before the Sanhedrin because the people, the people really liked Peter and the police were afraid that if they were violent at Peter, people would get violent back at the police. So Peter and his comrades all came nicely and the high priest said, didn't I very clearly tell you not to teach in that name? But now look, everyone knows about it. And you are determined to make us guilty for what happened to that man. There are some very interesting language choices here. They won't say his name and they won't say they did anything. They're just like, what happened to that guy? But Peter would say the name. He said, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging on a tree. 
God exalted that man to his right hand as ruler and savior to grant repentance and forgiveness. And we are witnesses to all this. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God's given to us, you know, because we keep doing the miracles. Then the high priest got really mad that Peter keeps saying this. And so they wanted to kill Peter and the other guys because not only had the high priest been afraid of Jesus and had him killed just to shut down his message, but Peter's message wasn't just, Jesus is good actually, but Jesus, who is good, was killed by these people in charge and he's still powerful. And the whole thing made them so angry and they couldn't get Peter to shut his mouth about it. But one of the teachers of the law named Gamaliel, who the text says was respected by everyone, asked for Peter and the apostles to be taken outside so he could address the Sanhedrin, the gathering of religious leaders. As a side note, Gamaliel was a real historical figure who was really important to Judaism and uh, is respected for his wisdom by many people to this very day. So the writer Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, you know, according to what the books say, puts him here in this story to sort of rooted in history. So Gamaliel, this renowned rabbi, gets up and addresses the Sanhedrin. Be careful what you do, he said. Not very long ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and 400 men followed him. He was killed, and his followers dispersed, and all of that came to nothing. After that man, Judas the Galilean rose up and attracted a following in the days of the census. He also perished and his followers scattered. And now I say, leave those men alone, because if their message is the message of men, it will be overthrown, because that's what always happens. But if they do speak for God, you won't be able to overthrow them. You would be fighting against God himself. And everyone was like in awe of this wisdom and decided to do what he said. Uh, a little side note, it's fascinating to me that this story that serves as proof of, that the apostles really spoke for God himself references the, the census from the story of when Jesus was born in the Gospel of Luke. And as I said, Luke also wrote this story. There's not any historical evidence of a massive sentence all across Rome or even all across Israel. I'm not sure if the writer believed it happened or if he's just trying to write a good story that ties into a lot of other stories and a little bit of history and ties back into, you know, his story. Uh, at any rate, um, as I said, the religious leaders were persuaded by Gamaliel's argument, which I think kind of has to be what happens when you stick a real life wise rabbi into your story. So they had Peter beaten and as a punishment and told everyone not to speak in Jesus' name and then they let them go. And Peter and his friends were like, whoa, yes, this is great. We are so important to Jesus' message that we have been punished for teaching about him. And um, then every day, wherever they could, including in the temple complex still, they taught that the Messiah was Jesus. And that's supposed to be the happy ending or happy middle because the book of Acts goes on and has a lot more mission work. And then there's like more to Peter's story too that I might tell eventually, but uh, to be honest, I don't like mission work and I feel like mission work is violence and Peter shouldn't use people as object lessons and his messages against their consent or without their consent. So this story kind of stands as a model that Christians use but can't live up to because they don't actually perform miracles. Most Christians I know don't even claim to, to try and uh, because their group isn't really morally superior to everyone around them. But personally, I feel like the model is flawed from the beginning. I mean, remember, we get a straw man version of Judaism, the Jewish religion in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. So Jesus' teachings, rather than being revolutionary and much kinder and more moral than everything around him, are actually pretty similar to contemporary Jewish beliefs about caring for the poor and not needing to go to the temple to have a relationship with God. 
or, you know, to be good. And then Acts throws in this whole thing with believing in Jesus being the height of goodness and how you get close to God, which is a little bit in the Gospel of John, but not so much in, in the other Gospels. And even in the Gospel of John, it's not as strong as it is here in Acts. Uh, Christians often claim that you need to believe in Jesus to be a good person, but there's many other religions and belief systems that teach similar things about kindness and charity and loving your neighbors that don't also require you to strong arm everyone you know into believing in Jesus. I have actually done mission work. I mean, I grew up as a Christian, so I've done mission work here like Peter does, sort of. <laughs> and uh, from my observation, it centers on manipulating other people to get them to believe what you believe regardless of what beliefs they currently hold, regardless of any personal cost to them of abandoning those beliefs and taking new ones. Often the mission team will, will plan to go somewhere else and do something good or helpful for people. Now, Peter healed people miraculously, but modern missionaries do things like building a house, uh, giving medical care, bringing food, teaching English in another country. And once people are like, hey, you've helped me, bam, you tell them that they'll go to hell or they can't be truly good like you if they don't believe in Jesus. The same way you do with some added, we helped you for free, so you have to listen to us, guilt. Um, I did an English teaching mission trip once. I was naive and didn't really realize how we'd use the helpful teaching to literally guilt them, like very explicitly tell them we've helped you, so you have to listen to us about Jesus. Um, I don't know what I thought it would be like. I, I didn't know how explicitly manipulative it would be. Uh, once I went and saw it myself, I hated it. We left this girl crying because she was afraid her Catholic family would reject her because she was now joining our really radical Protestant sect and would be expected to get them all to convert too. And everyone thought that was a good thing. And I was, I was just horrified at how disrespectful we were to the people we met. Missionaries generally go to teach and to convert, to convert, like to make other people believe what they believe, not to listen or to learn about other people because they, the missionaries, believe they know best what other people need. Um, and in my opinion, that makes mission work one of the most arrogant and prideful things Christians do. And once you throw in the manipulation, doing good just to win people over, I think it's especially harmful. Um, and I'm really sorry I ever did it. So that's over. I'm, I'm done with my soapbox. I don't know why we call it a soapbox. Anyway, I'm done with it uh, for now. I might be back with more stories from the Book of Acts later, but next I'm actually planning to do the Exodus story, which will probably take at least two episodes. Maybe more. I haven't finished writing it yet. It's, it's definitely going to take at least two episodes. I've, I've about finished the first one. So uh, I think for now I'm going to try to do new episodes every two weeks unless, you know, something else happens. So plan. I'm planning in two weeks. I'll be back with the first part of the Exodus story. Thank you for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child. <laughs> <laughs>